Thanks for listening to the New Stanton Church podcast. Check out our website at newstantonchurch.com where you can find out how to join our live stream at 901 on Sunday mornings. Now let's prepare our hearts for the word that we're about to receive. Well, good morning. How are you guys? Uh, If you don't know me, I'm Pastor Josh. I'm the director of community here at our church, and I'm excited to share the message with you today. Uh, I want to let you know before we get started, there are Bibles under the seats in front of you. If you don't have one, you can take that home. That's our gift to you. We can grow so much closer to God as we read his inspired word. Um, I also want to encourage you to fill out that connect card you got on the way in the door. If you have a prayer request or anything you want to let us know, you can put it on there. Um, And lastly, the offering baskets are in the back as you go. If you're online, there will be a link you can click on if you want to give. Well, I'm excited to be preaching uh, in the month of October here. We're going to do a series called Life on Mission. We, you know, we talk about showing people Jesus all the time, but I've really been looking forward to this series so we can dig a little deeper into what that looks like. What does it look like to live a life on mission for Christ? If you've ever felt like, you know, you don't really know what to do or what that means when people say you should share the gospel with someone, uh, this series is for you. If you kind of feel like, well, you know what, that's for those like pastors and special people, and an average guy like me can't do anything like that. If that's you, this is, this is for you. I want to help you think through some helpful approaches to sharing your faith uh, without being weird. Okay, I'm not asking you to be a weirdo, all right? I'm asking you to be a Christian, and we're going to talk in this month about what it means to live a life on mission. Next week is going to be especially important because I'll be giving you kind of some practical tips on how you can share your faith in conversation with friends. Um, So make sure you're here for that, or at least check out the recording if you can't make it. But this morning, I wanted all of you to really grasp just how important our mission is, and and to give you some simple uh, first steps to get started living a life that makes a difference for Christ and his kingdom. Have you ever thought about whether... You're doing what God has called you to do with your life. What about, you know, on the whole? Is, is our local church, is the church on the whole in America or globally, are we doing what God has called us to do? Because it can be really frustrating when people don't do their job. And we don't want to ignore what God has told us to do because we understand how frustrating that is when people don't do their job. If you're a parent like me, you experience this like, 20 times a day, okay? Heather and I were so frustrated because one time it took our kids like three and a half hours to clean up their playroom. And it should have taken like 20 minutes, three and a half hours. It's amazing how many distractions they can find between the bathroom and their bedroom every night at bedtime. It's ridiculous. It's like, come on, just go to bed. I want to go to bed. Why don't you want to go to bed? And... We've all had experiences like that, right? Maybe it's with a customer service or a, or a contractor who won't do their job. We had a contractor in our house one time, and they were remodeling our kitchen because we had a water leak. And Heather was an interior designer at the time. She made up all of these detailed plans so they knew exactly what to do and what we wanted, um, put it all right on paper. And they didn't really ask questions. They just got started, and they started making all these mistakes, like they forgot a filler in the corner so the cabinet door would actually open once they put it on and stuff like that. And we showed them the the plans and they said, oh, 
We thought there was just one page. <laughs> There's six pages. And then after that, they still, you know, they still didn't do it. So <laughs> I thought Heather was about to strangle someone. But luckily, there was no murder involved. We made it through. Um, and I, I just find it can be so frustrating sometimes when people don't do their job. If you want to take a look at this, take a look at this picture, Okay. You literally had one job, okay? And this probably took more than one person, right, to install this drain. And if you take a look at this one here, this, imagine you're on a college visit and you go to this college. Would you want them to teach you anything at all about planning how to do a building? No. And this right here, this guy has about as much skill as I do at installing toilets in your house. Uh, something tells me this is not going to get much use till that gets fixed. And this is my favorite right here. This guy is paid to enforce the social distancing rules, uh, and obviously he cannot even follow them himself. And these, these pictures are funny, but in real life it's not funny sometimes. It's frustrating. And sometimes I wonder, well, how does God feel when his beloved children don't do their job? Because every disciple of Jesus has a mission to make more disciples of Jesus all over the world to not only receive the love and grace that he offers, but to share that message with everyone. It's not that God doesn't love us if we're not doing it, if we don't share the gospel, but it's what God wants from us. And I think we limit our relationship with him when we don't live out our mission. You know, right before he ascended into heaven, Jesus gave his followers their mission, their marching orders. And, and Matthew wrote it down for us in his gospel. Well, let's check it out in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You know, the first 12 disciples did a really good job of this. But this is our job. This is our mission too, 2,000 years later. So are we accomplishing it? Are we doing what we're called to do? Well, let's look at some of the numbers, okay? On a global scale, Christianity is actually holding steady at 31% of the global population, uh, thanks to some growth in uh, Africa, Asia, and South America. Uh, however, in about 50 years, Islam may eclipse uh, Christianity if the current trends continue. But in America, in, in our country, in our backyard, the numbers aren't holding steady at all. According to a study from Pew Research Center about a year and a half ago, the percentage of American adults who identify as Christian dropped from 78% in 2007 to 65% in 2018 and 19. And those who identify as religiously unaffiliated has increased from 16% to 26%. So that's not a good sign for the future of Christianity in our country. But if you look at the statistics by age, it actually gets a little bit worse. 76% of boomers, that's my dad's generation, identify as Christians, but only 49% of millennials, that's my generation. Another study done by LifeWay this year found that 52% of Americans say they believe Jesus was a good teacher, but he was not God. 
And as you probably know, the idea that Jesus is God is at the core of what Christianity is. So 52% of Americans aren't actually Christians. Less than half of our nation, our home turf, believes in Jesus. Listen, we have to wake up. We have to start thinking of our country as a mission field. I hear people say all the time, America is a Christian nation. But, but look around. It, where it is right now, it's not. Half of our country does not follow Jesus. And, and maybe not you specifically, but on the whole, the American church is not accomplishing its mission. So we have got to turn things around because half of our neighbors don't know the love of Christ. Half of our neighbors will spend eternity without God. And these are not just numbers, okay? These are real people, people who matter to God, okay? This is, you know, the woman you chat with at the gym. This is your neighbor that lives next door to you. This is your brother or your sister that doesn't know Jesus. When I take my daughter to gymnastics tomorrow night, half the parents in that waiting room don't know Jesus. When you went to Walmart this week, half the people you walked by don't know Jesus. And they matter to him. And this is what Pastor Steve means when he talks about 651 and he says that everyone matters. Because it's not about the number. It's not about making Pastor Steve feel good because his church got bigger. It's about loving our friends. It's about loving our neighbors and helping as many people as possible put their faith in Jesus. Because 651 is for them. It's not for us. It's for them. Because whether they realize it or not, they desperately need Jesus. And so to help all of you accomplish your mission, I want to give you the first three steps of a life on mission. And the first step is to see people through God's eyes. Isn't it so easy to see people through human eyes? You know, God has to retrain and transform our minds how to think about people. We think, they're such a jerk, I hope I never have to talk to them again. But God doesn't see them that way. We think, well, they're a pretty nice person, so they don't really need anything else. They don't need Jesus in their life. But that's not how God sees them. For us to live a life on mission, we have to allow God to change our hearts so that we're even capable of seeing others through God's eyes. To see that every single person is terribly flawed, and yet every person is deeply loved by God. Okay, that is how God sees the world. Every person has sinned before God, and yet every person is treasured by our Father. So let's look at what we can learn from Scripture this morning. I read a passage in June during the parable series that I think applies here, so I'm going to read it again. This is the parable of the lost sheep in Luke chapter 15. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? 
And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. So Jesus is saying that God rejoices when lost people come home. God feels about sinners like a shepherd feels about his lost sheep or a father who can't wait to welcome home his rebellious son. God pursues people who are far from him that they would repent of their sin that keep them away from him. I had an experience once where um, God was really helping me to see people through his eyes. And um, it wasn't here in America. I spent a year in China uh, doing missions work with English-speaking college students in 2008 and 2009. And there was one day where we had a, a day off and we had had church in the morning with some other missionaries. And I had played basketball afterwards, and so I was heading home on a bus by myself across the city. And I'm sitting on this bus, and I'm just thinking and praying, and I'm surrounded. I'm the only, you know, the only uh, non-Chinese person on this bus, and I realize and reflect as I look around me that 95% of these people don't know Jesus. God loves them so much, and they're going to spend an eternity apart from him. And, and it, the sun was setting. I was looking out over the city of five million people. I'm seeing the buses and the cars and just thousands of people on their bikes. 95% of those people did not know him. And it was a sobering thought to me. But it also inspired me to work hard, to do whatever I can, to see as many people as possible come to follow Jesus. And, and thanks to God's work through us, my roommate and I were able to see about six young men come to faith in Christ that year. But that was 12 years ago. And honestly, as I've reflected about this, I don't think I care as deeply as I did in that moment right now as I did for those people on that bus. You see, I have to continually allow God to soften my heart towards people, to care about who they are right now, to care about them knowing the good news of Jesus and spending eternity with him. You know, I need to see my neighbors with that same kind of love that God had for the people on that bus. And I hope that all of you have that same desire to see people through God's eyes. You see, God's heart is that every sinner would repent and put their faith in him. And that was us, right? Peter tells us this while he was explaining why Jesus hasn't returned yet, if you've ever wondered that. Peter said, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. So 2,000 years later, Jesus still hasn't come back yet because he wants as many people as possible to have a relationship with him. And you and I get to be a part of bringing people to repentance. Whenever we share the gospel, we are pleasing God. We're bringing him joy by helping others restore their relationship with him. But what holds us back from doing this? 
from seeing people through God's eyes. Sometimes I think it's the labels that we have in our head. We, we label others, you know, who have trouble with the law as a criminal. And then our fear and disgust keeps us from showing them the love of God. We label others as uncool or ugly, and our pride keeps us from sharing the gospel or spending time with them. Sometimes we just ignore people altogether as just another face in the crowd to be avoided. But what I personally do the most is I get too busy, too distracted, and I miss the opportunities that I could have had to tell people about Jesus. But what about you? Is there, is there something in your life that's distracting you from the mission that God has given you? Is, is that thing really more important than someone else's eternal destiny? God wants to clear away the distractions and the labels this morning and help you to see others through God's eyes. Despite being flawed by sin, they are deeply loved by God. The second baby step to get started on a life on mission is to connect with people who don't follow Jesus. Now, this seems kind of like a, a Captain Obvious statement, and I'm the king of those, but you have to actually talk to people if you want to accomplish your mission. And I'm not talking about yelling at strangers on a street corner. I'm talking about having two-way conversations with real people that you share your life with because relationships pave the way for people to be spiritually receptive. Let me say that again. Relationships pave the way for people to be spiritually receptive. Almost no one changes their whole outlook on life just because they, they heard one stranger talk to them, okay? But a friend who cares about you, who spends time with you, can influence you to change even some of your deepest convictions sometimes. And I want to ask you all a couple questions real quick to kind of illustrate this. How did you come to faith in Jesus? Was it at a, a large event, like a, a church service or a, a youth conference or an evangelistic crusade? If you came to Christ at an event, would you raise your hand this morning? Raise your hand if you came to Christ at an event. Okay, there's a few of us here this morning. Now, if you, you can put your hands down. If you came to Christ through a relationship with a friend or a family member, would you raise your hand this morning? Raise your hand. Look all over the room this morning. Do you, notice, do you notice the difference? Okay. The conversations and the quality time that you experience in a relationship are so much more powerful than an event at inspiring people to change their life and follow Jesus. And that doesn't mean the church should never do events or that they can't work in tandem with relationships. But relationships are so much more powerful than just listening to someone that you don't know. So my question for you today is, are you connected with people who don't follow Jesus? Do you know your neighbors? Do you know your coworkers? Do you have space in your life for people who don't follow Jesus? And, and the reason I ask this is because I struggle with this sometimes. The longer you're a Christian, the easier it is to get in the Christian bubble, right? Where your friends are Christian, the people you see at church are Christian, and you don't have much interaction with people who don't share your faith. And I would encourage you to be intentional about making some of those connections, having a place in your life where you interact with people who are far from God. Maybe you could go to the same barber every month or the same barista at your local coffee shop or build a connection with some of the other sports parents in the stands at practice. To accomplish God's mission, you have to be connected to people who are far from him. And finally this morning, 
The last step is to pray for people who need to follow Jesus. One of the most neglected parts of living a life on mission is praying for people to put their faith in Jesus because it's not flashy, okay? It's, it's faithful, everyday prayers. And sometimes you don't know how much of an impact you're having, right? But let me tell you something. Your prayers make more of an impact than you even know. This is, all, this is one of the most powerful things that a Christian can do to live a life on mission and make a difference in our world. And why is it powerful? Because you can't do it alone, okay? And because God wants them to have a relationship with him and put their faith in him even more than you do, okay? And those are the kinds of prayers that God loves to hear and he loves to answer. And, and I'm not saying that God's gonna override their will just because we asked him to get them saved, but you'll be amazed at the ways that he pursues those people as you pray for them. And more people will come to Jesus than if you don't pray. And not only pray for them, but pray for yourself to have opportunities to share your faith with whoever you may meet that day. It's true that not every moment is the right time to have a deep conversation, but the problem is that we often miss the opportunities that we do have because we're too distracted or we're not prepared. And if you ask God, he will set you up. He will. He'll make a divine appointment for you to be involved in changing someone's life. And if you ever get the chance to pray with someone in person, take that opportunity. Okay, very few people will actually refuse prayer because even if they doubt that God is real, everyone struggles. Everyone needs help in life. And even if they doubt that God exists and that anything will happen, they'll take anything they can get. And many people will allow you to pray for them. And if you ask them, would you mind if I prayed for you right now? The worst thing that can happen is they say no and you move on with your conversation. But that's unlikely. And the best thing that can happen is that God answers their prayer and they see the power of God at work in their own life and it starts them down the road to salvation. Another person who matters to God returns home and all of heaven rejoices with you when they put their faith in Jesus. And you were a part of making that happen through your obedience. This morning, I want you to take a baby step towards living a life on mission by committing to pray for one specific person every day this month, that they would put their hope and faith in Jesus. And we'll worry about learning yourself, like how to talk with people and share your faith until next week. But for today, if you want to live a life on mission and make a difference in your community for Christ, let's commit together to pray that they would come to know the forgiveness and the love that we have found in Jesus. You should have received a prayer card on your way in the door that looks like this. It says VIP on it because this person is important to God. If you want to pull that out this morning, um, and if you didn't get one and you throw up your hand, uh, the ushers can get you one more. We were handing them out on the way in this morning. On one side, it says, I commit to pray for, and then a blank where you can write down a name, okay? If you're watching at home and you don't have one of these cards, you can grab a sticky note or a piece of paper or make a reminder on your phone for every morning. Let's write that name down so we remember to do this. 
we're going to take a minute right now. We want to get out that card. Let's all do this together. I'm going to pause for a second so you can do that. Let's write the name down. no one comes to your mind right away, uh, feel free to pause during the rest of the service today if you want to sit down and write a name down when it comes to you. I'd recommend keeping this in your Bible if you read your Bible every day, or maybe you put it on your bathroom mirror or your fridge as a reminder to pray for this person just for a month. Pray for them every day that they'd come to know Jesus. Why, why are we doing this? Because God loves them. And he longs for them to come home. Just like a shepherd says, they're missing. I have to go find them. Or a father's parent's heart is broken when his kids rebel and move away from home. God has that kind of love for this person right here that you wrote on your card. And maybe you could even be the one that gets to be a part of them coming home. Maybe God will use you to change someone's eternal destiny. And that's worth living for. Amen? Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you that you pursued us when we were a lost sheep in the wilderness and you brought us home. Thank you for the the people in our life that brought us back to you. God, whether it was uh, our mom who wouldn't stop praying for us or our grandma, Father, whether it was a friend who shared the good news with us. We thank you for those people that you put in our path. God, we want to be that kind of a person to others. God, that though they are far from you, Lord, they are deeply loved by you. Help us to see them through your eyes. Lord, help us to share the good news that they can find hope and forgiveness you, to know you, to be unconditionally loved, to spend eternity with you. God, we pray that you would use us for your glory to change our world. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the New Stanton Church podcast. We'd love to connect with you. So visit our website at newstantonchurch.com Follow the Get Involved tab and RSVP to our next meet and greet.